shit the bed. Well, howdy, folks. It's time for us to do what the good Lord would refer to as a cleansing of the wicked. Gentlemen, let's do what God made us to do. Welcome to Now Playing's House of a Thousand Corpses Retrospective Series. Someone killed Kayla. Hosted by Marjorie. You Malibu middle class Barbie piece of shit. Arnie. He's one horny retard. And Brock. That old bitch hog don't know shit. He don't show no Yankee boys. Let me take a guess here. Y'all having a Halloween party tonight. With the upcoming release of Rob Zombie's new horror movie, Halloween 2, opening on August 28th, we are discussing Rob Zombie's earlier horror films, House of a Thousand Corpses, and its sequel, The Devil's Rejects. Well, I bet you'd stick your head in the fire if I told you you could see hell. Beware. These will be spoiler-filled critiques of these two films. Grandpa, watch your language! And like the films, these podcasts are meant for a mature audience and will contain harsh language and content. Enjoy the show, folks! Today we're talking about House of a Thousand Corpses. Directed by Rob Zombie. This is Brock, co-host of Now Playing. This is Arnie, co-host of Star Wars Action News, host of the Star Wars Action News Book Club, and regular featured player on Now Playing. <laughs> I'm like the Keenan. No, he's a real cast member now. Oh, now he is? Yes. And I'm Marjorie. I am co-host of Star Wars Action News and occasional guest on the movies no one else wants to watch on NowPlayingPodcast.com. <laughs> that may be true. Today <laughs> today we're talking about House of a Thousand Corpses because Arnie thought it was a good idea for me to watch this movie because we are going to be doing the Halloween retrospective and Rob Zombie, of course, directed the remake and the upcoming sequel to Halloween, and I thought that was a great idea because I was completely unfamiliar with his work, and so we're starting at the beginning with him and his career at House of a Thousand Corpses, and a, a hardcore horror film if I've ever seen one in my life. Wouldn't you agree? I don't think it's necessarily hardcore. I don't think it's as bad as a Saw movie no. and the gore and the no. violence. I think it's a fantastic movie, but I have to throw the disclaimer out that I am a huge Rob Zombie fan, his music, and I think his movies are phenomenal, but we'll get to all that. I would say that this is I thought the, it was tame as far as blood and gore it's a throwback it's a horror movie the likes you really don't see much anymore it's in the likes of the most popular one is probably Texas Chainsaw Massacre but I'm thinking I Spit on Your Grave or the original Last House on the Left I mean this kind of hard 70s grit horror oh it's totally retro and I think that's great he carried a lot of that over into The Devil's Rejects which is the follow up to it which we're going to talk about next week. But let me tell you, the first time I saw this movie, I was home alone on a Saturday, and it was afternoon, bright daylight. Marjorie had to work that day. I went out and rented a bunch of movies, thinking she probably wouldn't want to see ahead of time. You know, things like, I believe House of the Dead was also rented at the same time as House of a Thousand Corpses. And I was getting these confused. House of the Dead being a really bad movie based on the first-person shooter, like, duck hunt kind of game. <laughs> And this being Rob Zombie's first film, I of course knew who Rob Zombie was. Being called House of a Thousand Corpses, I thought I was in for a zombie flick, especially with the cover. And so I sit back in the middle of the afternoon, watch House of a Thousand Corpses, and I am just so engrossed in this movie. I'm like, holy shit, what is this? It grabbed me by the nuts and just pulled me along for 90 great minutes. That opening, that tremendous opening. First, the throwback with the Dr. Wolfenstein. 
And the fried chicken. <laughs> oh, yeah. Captain Spaulding is a phenomenal character in the movie. He just adds so much. He's like the icing on the cake. It was funny and horrific. But let me, after it was over, I'm like, holy shit, Marjorie's going to love this. I call you Im- immediately and I go, I just watched the best movie. We're watching it tonight. And you're like, oh, okay. Okay, but we also have to mention that when Arnie calls me and says that, it usually involves a horrid movie that I force him to turn off after 30 minutes so i watched this movie twice in one day and she had the same reaction as me she sat down thinking oh boy he's making me watch some shit and at the end you were as big a fan as i was blew me away the cinematography the acting everything just was awesome i can agree with you guys a lot of the points you're making the first half of this movie got me completely and i completely agree with you this is some of the best acting i've ever seen in a horror movie in my life and i thought all the characters just jumped off the screen i thought the directorial effort was fantastic with the shots and the cuts and um, how it intercut those uh, weird colored and, and like, like mind warpy kind of things I guess we'll talk about in a few minutes just the way it was put together was so creative and fun and then also the, the black and white commercials in the beginning of the movie were just so much the, the, the stupid robbery in the beginning of this movie with Captain Spaulding's for example what a great way to open a movie because you didn't you completely didn't expect it and I had no expectations at all going into this movie i knew nothing about it and i am very unfamiliar with rob zombie so for me this is a complete just jump in the pool and i gotta tell you i i was he had me from the get-go at the start of this movie well what i was saying was when i finished watching i was home alone again bright daylight this was the first horror movie to leave me unnerved for the rest of the afternoon really yeah i never get creeped out by that movie you know i don't get creeped out as in ooh, a monster is gonna get me but every so (laughs) often you know you go into the bathroom to take a piss and the shower curtain's closed and you just kind of... No, it doesn't do that at all to me. Not one bit. It just, it makes me afraid to go in the middle of nowhere sometimes. We always have that when we're lost, which happens a lot, even with GPS. We always go, and this is where we find the killer. But no, it's just, it it doesn't still do it to me. I watched House of a Thousand Corpses again this week for this podcast. I'm not creeped out at all. But the first time I watched it, it was just so unexpected and things just kept coming out of nowhere and it's a movie of escalation but brock you said you're unfamiliar with rob zombie i had two feelings when i first watched this and it struck me again watching it this time first rob zombie before this had never directed a feature but he directed several music videos i felt like a lot of this felt like a music video like all of the cuts of weird random stuff that's going to get a subliminal visceral effect out of a viewer but isn't necessarily coherent Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of it is due to the fact that he shot some of it on the 16 millimeter film to give it that gritty, grainy feel. So it very much has that scatterbrained, short attention span music video. Now, not that I've seen music videos since Duran Duran, but... I mean, come on, MTV doesn't play music anymore. But it has that... You're right, it's kind of that caffeinated all over the place but here's the thing here's the difference they actually meant something they provided backstory or an insight into something like a behind the scenes thing or a part we didn't see actually on screen exactly like a flashback almost which really helped because it it really hit home the point that the experience that person was feeling was that gritty kind of bad thing well some of it was that yes and i love absolutely love the intercut parts that are the 16 millimeter 
like home movie with baby saying someone needs killing you kill him you know and otis going hunting a human ain't no different than hunting a rabbit that is the best oh my gosh i love it with his whole speech there it was a little bit real world but i get your point yes you know what they were doing with that is the manson family yeah when they arrested the manson family they had those types of idiots yes so that's what they were doing i'm referring to more like the scenes that are shown in like a negative color scheme where they're talking about chasing a skunk ape now brock you've only watched this once so you may not have caught any of the words like skunk ape it took me three or four watchings before i was figuring all that out but yeah there's like the bad furry chasing the girl in the negative and then there's that african-american guy who's like you talking about jesus you know (laughs) it had nothing to do with anything but my god was it effective i thought it added a nice creep to the whole thing because the first half of the movie is not necessarily as creepy. You, you feel bad for these kids that they're walking into a shitstorm of trouble, but you don't really, as you said, it really kind of build and build and built until the shit hit the fan. But but those intercut scenes really started, you know, really kept, you know, the, in the back of your mind, something bad is going to happen. Something bad is going to happen. Something bad is going to happen. And I thought it was very effective way he did that. And he continued it a little bit throughout the rest of the movie. Although uh, memory serves, it wasn't it wasn't as much as it was in the beginning of the movie because it really wasn't any need although at the end it kind of combined into one but we'll get there as the horror builds the intensity of the inner cuts builds and the severity of what you see in the inner cuts build i mean you see baby making out with a skull i mean it's it's intense but in the back of your mind and the whole time you're watching this it's like watching a train wreck you're like these people are fucked up seriously i mean just bill mosley i think was phenomenal in this role and i think he's got that creepiness and just unsettling vibe going enough to just make you go oh my god yeah and that voice that voice, that look he has, but that that crystal clear, emotive uh, voice of his. He has a wonderful voice. It's amazing. It yeah. really, it was, I, I almost, I hesitate to use the word, but it's like a dichotomy against the look, especially in the next movie too. You, you don't expect a guy who looks like that to speak so eloquently. Well, here's just a little side note. First of all, he doesn't look anything like that in real life. Yeah, very he could nice. Be a banker. Clean cut man. <laughs> and incidentally, he's a Yale graduate. Cool. Yeah, so that's kind of, I don't know. I mean, I think he's amazing and that voice just has that tone and inflection to scare the bejesus out of you a little bit because you think he's not screwing around now while we're talking about great people for the role i mean this movie i'm not trying to make this a whole love fest but we mentioned (laughs) captain spaulding before and sid haig played captain spaulding oh he's creepy in real life i'm not talking about captain spaulding (laughs) he looks the same in real life as he looks in the movie he just doesn't have slightly better teeth yeah I thought he was fantastic. I thought he hit it home. Every single time he was on the screen, the screen lit up. I thought the man hit hit every single note he was supposed to hit. The way he delivered those lines, the, the way he had those corny expressions, but he made it he made it work so well. Uh, th- what a great character, Captain Spaulding. He was. He was the he was the icon from it. He was the face on most of the posters if you didn't see just the standard art. And he was tremendous. And what a way to open that movie is you get the clown and that character actor who's been in a million things just talking about nudie pictures. And the next thing you know, the clown is killing people. It was Michael J. Pollard, I believe. Is that who that was? He's been in everything. In Scrooge, the guy, little guy from Scrooge. Yeah. Yeah. And then a first-time actress in this movie, Sherry Moon Zombie, or I think back then she was just Sherry Moon. She is great in this movie. She's phenomenal. It's a shame she's so ugly, too. I mean, it was really hard to watch her on the screen. <laughs> I know, isn't it? She just How can she live with that deformity of being so fucking gorgeous? 
<laughs> yeah, she, she, I, I've never seen her before, and I was wondering why doesn't she work more? Because and now really you want to see more of her. Well, no, I'm a, not just a horn dog way. I mean, seriously, <laughs> as an actor, I mean, she actually, again, a really, a really great job in conveying the perfect. She knew exactly what her role was. She knew exactly how she played that baby voice, but the dead serious actions. And, you know, the woman who she's basically a siren. And if I'm not wrong about that, she totally lures these guys into this, this, <laughs> this shithole. And, and it's just, oh, I don't know how to explain it, but all of a sudden the baby started turning creepy and you totally bought it. Like it wasn't a baby voice alone. It was a whole combination. It was a fully realized character that really could have been a throwaway role. And it, she took it and she ran with it. I thought she did a phenomenal job. What I liked about her is not only was she sexy, but she was menacing. I yes. mean, she's menacing in that way that I've seen women get at bars with the, I'm going to cut your tits off, bitch. I mean, it's that realistic kind of, oh, shit, she's got a knife kind of menace. Not that over-the-top Bill Mosley menace. It'd be kind of interesting to see if she's just one crazy bitch and can't do anything else, or could you put her in a drama and she could perform well? Having seen her in three movies now, and we're going to see her in a fourth with Halloween 2 next month, I gotta say, I think that she is actually a very smart actress. Mm -hmm. She is... I was going to say that, but I wanted to give the benefit of a doubt, but... she, She... Acts totally different in the next movie than this movie. We're going to talk a lot about that next movie. But Mm -hmm. I think that the next movie shows probably something a little bit closer to her real voice and her real kind of attitude and facial expressions. Whereas this one, she was, again, over the top. I mean, this was a carnival. You know, you start off with a clown and the whole time you're there, you're in a carnival with... Otis being the Barker from hell. Well, also you have you also have the the murder ride and the whole thing with that. That's a, a, Carnival is a perfect way to describe that and it, that that kind of vibe that like that funhouse kind of silliness, but it was like about murder. And so uh, one more thing about Baby and the same thing with Spalding and the same thing with um, with Otis, the intensity of their eyes. So when she's acting like all ditzy and funny, and cute and sexy, and then when she turns, it's in her eyes, and and she re- and they really it probably was a direction. On top of the 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 talent of the actors, but way the way he got them to do that. I mean, I'm I be talking through my ass here, but it seemed <laughs> to me that the their their the intensity of why it worked for me so well is because in her eyes you saw the turn, and that is key because that means the the character was there as opposed to just like a cho- like like you know a light switch choice. It was like rawr, like she was there the whole time and she's letting it out now. And that's what was great. I think the best example of that is near the end of the movie when the girl escapes and baby's like laughing and they're doing their shit around the fire with Mother Firefly. And she goes, can I go get her? And takes off through the cemetery and catches her and then takes such glee in stabbing her. And she's like smiling and stabbing and her eyes are like completely evil. (laughs) You wanted the scene I really liked with baby. And it's a scene that in watching it this time when I'm, this is my first time really giving it a critical eye. I realize this scene has really no place in the movie, but yet it's my favorite scene in the movie, and it's when they go to Red Hot Pussy Lips. Yeah. Be over. <laughs> when, yeah. It's Rufus and Baby and their clerk, Goober. And you wonder, <laughs> why are they at this liquor store? Why are they showing us this incredible scene? Unless it's just to make us think that they're going to fuck Goober up next, because if any character in a movie deserved to die, it's Goober. And it's- I-, I think he had a song called Red Hot Pussy Licker, and... 
and really just wanted to work it into the movie. It's a good song, <laughs> but I, good song. I think that's but what he wanted to do. I also, though, the first time I'm watching it, don't you think he, they're going to kill Goober? And in fact, instead of killing him, they go the exact opposite and let him keep a lot of money. So I don't know if they're just fucking with my expectations. But in that scene, Baby acted totally different than in every other scene. And I know that this movie, it, it had to go through the hurdles to get released. And there were a lot of reshoots and a lot of changes in plot. Maybe this was a scene added later because there certainly weren't too many principles in it. But it had her acting in a totally different, more normal kind of way, even though she was in assless pants. Do you want to go into why they had to reshoot and, and hurdles getting released? Well, it was Rob Zombie was a first time director and his, he wrote this. He directed it. It was his labor of love and the studio just wouldn't release it as is. And in fact, I don't know if this was actually filmed or just an original version of the script. But when I'm first watching this movie, you know, the whole thing is you've got these four interchangeable, indistinguishable people, one of whom is Rain Wilson. So now everybody's going to know him from The Office. But back when this came out, there was no The Office. Nobody knew him either. And notice we haven't talked at all about our quote unquote heroes, the victims of all this, because they're indistinguishable. I've seen this movie a dozen times. I still can't tell you which one's girlfriend lives to the end. I agree with you completely. I think that all four of the quote unquote main characters in this, which clearly were they were not the main characters, but the victims of this movie were completely indistinguishable and that obviously, as we learn at the end, is no mistake, right? I you know, I think it's actually a flaw of the film is that they're not distinguishable. I think that the more you feel for a victim in any horror movie, the better it is. And Rob Zombie gets better as, in my opinion, as he goes along at making characters. What he does here is broad strokes, and Rob Zombie's very good in this movie at drawing the crazies. And notice all we focused on is the crazies. When it comes to the normal people, they're such stock characters that there's there's not much to say about them other than, hey, it's Rain Wilson. And I didn't even notice that half the time watching it. He dies so quickly and is not such part of the movie. Again, it's because you focus on the Firefly family. Yeah. I don't even know. You can't call these four people heroes. Can you even call them protagonists or are they merely props? I think they're merely props. The four, the four victims. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess the focus is on the family. So yeah, I think I guess props would uh, maybe um necessities of the plot. So yeah, props maybe. Yeah, I mean, there's also a bunch of cheerleaders who are captured in the house, and the four characters who we follow into this house of craziness are only slightly more fleshed out, no pun intended, than the <laughs> cheerleaders <laughs> who are basically just there to whimper, scream, and die naked. Well, I think the cheerleaders part for me was this is not the first time that was like kind of like they also weren't they talking about them in the beginning of the movie or like they disappeared and there was no sign of them. And Mm -hmm. some of those shots we talked about that were intercut, weren't they up throughout the movie? Weren't they of the cheerleaders, you know, and 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 stuff like that. So that that is kind of adds to the the shitstorm, if you will. Yeah. It really helps get the mood going. Yeah. Obviously, if the, that's how they brought us in, and later on we'll find out. Of course, it, they are. This is nowhere near their first <laughs> their first victims. But um, that's what they. That's what the cheerleaders were to me they were just the the base and what's funny about these four victims is that when watching it the reason i focus on rain wilson isn't because of the office again i i don't watch the office i only know he's on the office because i keep seeing him on conan but it's because i thought he was the hero of the movie he gets the most dialogue at the beginning his friend's obviously a tool who's gonna die because he didn't fill the car with gas and he's so excited about dr zayden i thought rain wilson was the one to get out of it (laughs) 
then little did I know nobody gets out of it. No, he gets turned into a merman, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Why didn't did they now they didn't have him twitch because he was dead as a doornail. Oh, yeah, there was no twitching. But it'd be kind of cool if he twitched a little bit, I thought, because I thought, and now correct me if I'm wrong, but in Dr. Spaulding's funhouse, he had all those kinds of like weird creatures and things. He got those from, it occurred to me that those were previous victims and they're there because they got them from Otis and he displayed them, right? Bingo, yeah. yes. And so I thought that was, you know, after the Rain Wilson murder happened, I'm like, whoa. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks, like, oh, of course, he totally set you up for that earlier in the movie. And I thought that was um, a smart turnaround. But it wasn't obvious. I mean, it's exactly. something that had to kind of sink in. You're like, holy shit! Yeah. All that stuff at Captain Spaulding's was victims. Yeah, totally. And it really worked, too. And uh, it was very effective. Yeah, and it also just leads to that weird scene when Otis comes down to dinner carrying the fetus in the jar. Yeah, yeah I have a note on that. I was like, is that really... I was like, is that a fetus in a jar? <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God. And they called him Wolf, Wolfie? What was it? Little Wolf. Little Wolf in a jar. I was just glad they didn't say, oh, you brought dessert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so one, one really scary scene to me was the scarecrow scene. Yes, when they think they're going to get out. Right, and they and they, the two of them are on the scarecrows, and then um, I thought that was just, that's I guess that's when it really started to turn. And I thought that was an incredibly effective and scary scene. I thought that was very well done. It was, and this was use of a couple of the other characters who we haven't talked about yet, Rufus Jr., or RJ, and right. Tiny. RJ being basically just a big, beefy, pro-wrestling-looking kind no, of guy. No, he is a pro-wrestler. Oh, he is a pro-wrestler. Oh, he is. Oh. Yeah, he's okay. a wrestler. And Tiny being like a seven-and-a-half-foot Freddy Krueger. Yeah, I thought it was a cross between Freddy Krueger and Sloth from the Goonies, in that like he was the deformed baby like who got dropped or got hurt and things like that. And they didn't talk about he got burned really badly or something yeah uh, as a kid so that was a cross there and he was um i always it's also kind of like i find him and this is a really weird word for it but benevolent in a way but uh, yeah because he lets the girl go she begs him yeah. please tiny let me go and he unties her he he i honestly thought that he was going to be the one to help rescue her at the end because in the remake of texas chainsaw massacre they have a little boy who helps the woman escape and so i thought it was going to go that way I wrong <laughs> nope not so. But by the same token, Tiny's also the one who's yanking them from the car and dragging them along. Well, he's doing what he's told, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah, with that scarecrow scene, that's when it really kicks in. That's when it's unabashed horror at that point. Until then, it's suspense. After that point, it's gore everywhere. There's not a moment that doesn't have it. I think it leads, within five minutes of that scene, you get the wonderful scalping scene set to Brick House, which, admittedly, I think... a in a, this movie in so many ways Rob Zombie just wishes he was the Quentin Tarantino of horror I this movie it feels very natural born killers to me with all the inner cuts and that scene where they're scalping him to brick house all I can think of is the scene of Reservoir Dogs where the guy gets his ear cut off to stuck in the middle with you I thought the exact same thing but, I totally agree with you but I somehow I didn't really mind the scalping scene as much as, as you thought I might have. I, I, I think it worked better in Reservoir Dogs, and I'm trying to figure out why. I guess up until that point, we hadn't. Michael Madsen was kind of like a little off kilter, but we really saw what kind of person we're dealing with in that scene. I already knew what kind of person I was dealing with, at least I thought I did, although that really hit it home here in this movie. It, it also really upped the ante a lot, um, and I thought it was really a kind of a cool effect, actually, um, how it was done, uh, technically speaking, of course. Um, the scalping 
developing scene. But uh, yeah, I, I, it was certainly reminiscent of Reservoir Dogs to me. Now, see, I didn't get that at all. In fact, I, I liked the scene. My only thing is I wish they had played Rob Zombie's version of Brick House. They saved that for the end. Credits. I know, because it's really a good read match. But this it. movie takes place in 77, so yeah. they were keeping right. it real. So we've been sitting here spouting love on this movie, but Brock, you didn't quite enjoy it as much as we did. You've kind of alluded to that saying you liked the first half. Yeah, my only issue with the movie, and this is, and, and I, I realize again that I am very new to this horror genre, and that's why I'm doing these podcasts with you. My point of view is coming in this stuff fresh as fresh can be. Um, and I have seen very little uh, of this as genre as we have learned throughout these podcasts. I felt that once they, you know, once the second half of the movie kept on going and going and going, and it got, I, I honestly felt he went too far. And to, for me, my reaction to it stopped being one of enjoyment of one of like, I, wow, I, wow, whoa, wow, he keeps, go- oh my God. I, I, I could not believe what I was watching. And I'm not saying it was like, you know, horrible, like it shouldn't be made. I can understand there is. Is it, there is an audience for this sort of thing, but I mean, I saw the first Saw movie, and I know this is not the same thing, but after I watched the first Saw movie, I never wanted to watch the second one. I actually had the second one on my DVR. I was going to watch it the next night. I didn't want to. I, I had enough. And here, I felt that I got the point, and I saw what he was doing, and it just didn't let up, and I, I felt that he could have let up, and I still could have had the exact same experience with these characters that he set up so beautifully in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, it's a horror movie. It needs to horrify you, but to me, it stopped being fun. And it stopped. It, it 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 became my enjoyment went totally away. And I know I am probably in the minority in this because it's this is a very popular cult movie. But to me, I I just did not enjoy how it ended. And especially since the girl didn't get away, I didn't feel these bad people got theirs. Like when you watch a movie when um when when the basically the lead people are the bad guys, like say even Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs, as we mentioned, the people who do the bad things usually get theirs somehow. Even back to Bonnie and Clyde and the Wild Bunch all the way back in the 60s like they do bad things but we're the ones we, we follow them we want to watch what they do but they end up getting and these guys didn't and i don't think they did maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe i missed something that these characters they had to pay for their crimes but not in this movie they didn't and i felt that there was i just felt it didn't end that i, I wanted to see that ending and i didn't get that and instead i got this unsatisfying second half of the movie which i felt that could have been trimmed back and i could have seen the exact same experience but i'm really interested in seeing hearing exactly what it is about it that you you being the horror guy and you two knowing your horror much better than me what is it that makes this for you guys so enjoyable and entertaining that maybe that's something about me as opposed to the movie you know what i'm saying like what is it about this movie that you guys really connect with in the second half of this movie so your whole not liking the second half is because the people didn't pay for their crimes that's one of my deals second the second part of it was really is that i had this visceral reaction to it of like i can't believe this is on here i can't believe I, it keeps going oh my god this gets worse and worse and worse and worse and i just didn't i don't find watching people getting tortured entertaining personally that's not what i enjoy watching I understand torture can be a very good device to to turn the audience against a character to understand what the person is doing, and we'll, I'll talk about that next time. I also think that it went too far in that. I mean, I don't understand why torture is entertaining, and that to me is what it, that's why I was watching is poor people getting tortured over and over again, and and then and then she goes in that catacomb with all the skeletons, which I thought was a really creepy fo- thing, and that guy was chasing her, and that was really kind of effective. But then you get to that the guy at the uh, I forgot the guy's name, the the doctor in the in the basement, Doctor Satan, Doctor Satan. There you go, and that was just like oh my god, and I know it's a horror movie, but the word is horrific, but not in an entertaining and fun way. For me, it just it just got 
my reaction to it was just not like, I don't know how else to say it. It's just it was just not entertaining anymore. It just seemed to be disturbing. Well, all right, let's address this in two okay. different ways. The first way we're going to address it is what's entertaining. The second way we're going to address it is should the bad guy get theirs? I'll take the first one. I think Marjorie's got her hand up for the second. One. <laughs> so, all right. What is entertaining is it's like the putting together of a puzzle when you don't know what the picture is. What's fun about this movie isn't seeing people get tortured. It's seeing the escalation scene after scene after scene and it ends in a latex nightmare of all these you know virtually universal pictures backlot movie monsters coming at you dr satan with the big mask you know and he's roped into the ceiling and earl coming at you with the axe i mean at that point you're in one of freddy krueger's nightmares and you started off on a road trip and so what it is is it's the wanting to know in the beginning they go there's Dr. Satan. Dr. Satan's out there. And what you want to know is who's Dr. Satan? And you're watching all this and you're wondering, is one of them Dr. Satan? Is Grandpa Dr. Satan? And and I was thinking that when I first watched it and I later found out reading some making of, in original scripts, Grandpa was Dr. Satan. And then they decided they needed to even ramp it up further and rather than Grandpa be Dr. Satan, Dr. Satan was the weird creature surgeon in the underground. And so what's engrossing to me is what's going on in this house? What is their secret what is it that they're doing this for tell me i'm hooked on knowing why and what and where does dr satan fit into all of this you hooked me with the mystery of it it's a mystery story who is dr satan who rescued him from that tree when he was hung by the townspeople well the fireflies rescued him put him underground and have been bringing him victims so he can create his army of surgically engineered insane people that's what is entertaining is the where is it going next? And if the ends of these movies had no twist, then yes, it's incredibly bleak. Marjorie and I very recently watched the original Last House on the Left. Oh, God! And we were just so <laughs> bored. And the reason being, it's a movie much like this, where... It's supposed to make you squirm a little and make you just a little bit uncomfortable. It's harsh. Because that's what makes you afraid, and that's what gives you the willies, because, let's face it, Jason X, who the fuck is afraid of that shit? It's not scary. It's become comical now. And if you look at now what are considered our quote-unquote scary movies, we've got Saw. And I think that's a much more realistic type of scary movie for this day and age because, you know what? My neighbor does weird shit in his backyard, doesn't he, Arnie? Yes, he has revivals. Yeah, he does like Jesus stuff in his backyard. (laughs) How do I know what the hell he's doing in his basement? He may have the high school teenagers locked up in there, torturing the fuck out of them, and you don't know that because that's the kind of day and age we're in. Whereas back in the late 70s and early 80s, you know what? We had to be afraid of the guy at the camp. But I want to make a differentiation because a lot of people like to lump House of a Thousand Corpses in with Saw and Hostel and all those. Saw right. and Hostel are what are called torture. Right. And the fear there is in seeing people mutilated. Because the horror is, God, I don't want to be mutilated like that person's being mutilated. House of a Thousand Corpses doesn't have that. Yes, there's the scalping scene, and it's bloody, but it's no more bloody than something in Freddy versus Jason, necessarily. I, I've seen historic movies that have a scalping that's more graphic, actually. I agree. I agree. That's exactly. I totally agree with that. Yeah. It's not that this is torture porn, even though because 
because it came out around the same time and it's an intense dark movie, it gets mm-hmm. lumped in. This is classic 70s grit horror. This is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, almost exactly a remake. The original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a bunch of people go on a road trip, end up at a crazy house full of a family of crazy people, The and they're killed off one by one and held hostage and tortured and eaten until one escapes. The only difference between Texas Chainsaw and this movie is in this movie, you think you're seeing the end of Texas Chainsaw all over again, where she's picked up by a car, which is how it is in Texas Chainsaw, and it's Captain Spaulding, and you're comfortable with Captain Spaulding because you like him, because he's been there yeah. the whole movie, and then you see Otis come up from the back seat, and Captain Spaulding's been in on it the whole time. Which I thought was a wonderful little twist at the end, I have to say. I thought that was really a clever way to play on that character we liked in the beginning, who was obviously creepy, and we thought safe. With- I think you nailed it perfectly at the end there with Captain Spaulding being the guy in the car. And it's just like any of those 70s horror movies. Now, as for the killer getting theirs, Marjorie said that Jason X isn't frightening. I completely agree. This movie got a little bit of a scare out of me. And Brock, what I want to ask you, I guess, is maybe you don't like horror, but perhaps you can get a kind of Tom and Jerry-esque slapstick enjoyment out of seeing something like Jason or Michael Myers because it's so broad and especially in the 80s it's virtually bloodless you just see the knife go in and in the end it goes back to the three stooges I mean we've seen Jason get hit over the head with boards and things I mean do you find it a just kind of macabre slapstick and when you take the humor away the macabre slapstick you understand what I'm saying I can I I like the black humor very much and I I also I, I do like the the the, the sickening humor I, I like that yes i agree and were you disturbed by the first halloween when michael myers disappeared after being shot a zillion times by dr loomis a zillion well, six th- who's counting but i thought i thought michael myers was defeated at the end and then he lived to tell like darth vader was defeated at the end of star wars but he escaped but he was defeated you know what i mean so yes that's a good that's Aww, a good you uh, put a little sparkly up. spin on it what i'm just saying that he was if they weren't they got theirs he was just defeated I don't know, Arnie. I don't think I need the slapstick cartoon aspect of it. I mean, I'm again, I'm very new to this horror thing, so I was going to turn it back on you and, and ask you, do you think, based on my limited experience in the genre, and I started where you guys started, of course, you guys, didn't you start with, with Jason and Freddy when you were a kid? I'm starting now in my 30s. Do you think I jumped into this end of the pool too early without building my way up to it? Because what I know of horror movies, of course, is not really all that scary, although I love the first Halloween. I loved the first Friday the 13th because of the suspenseful kind of the way it was done. But yeah, I I wonder if if I saw this movie too early in my horror, quote unquote, education, because based on what you're saying, maybe that could be the reason. I don't think you saw it too early. I guess maybe you might be not necessarily old fashioned, but maybe not desensitized. I disagree. I don't think there's any desensitization going on. Yes. Be- well, you know what, though? I'll tell you what. Let me take that back because the reason Friday 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street scared me is because I was 10 years old. Yeah. And right. while I knew there was make-believe, it's still right. creepy that there could be someone out there like this. And I'll th- take you, I'll tell you a secret. I knew there were makeup effects and blood effects, but one part of me believed every so often that effect was so real, no studio could do it. So that has to actually <laughs> happen. And they're just telling us it's makeup. There is, there is a little bit of fun and cheap, there is that cheesy fun watching those Friday the 13th and, 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 
Halloween movies. There is that kind of fun cheesiness to it. And maybe that's because of the time they were made. Absolutely. You know, realistic violence is is scary, you know, and, and maybe that is what's going on here. Again, only way I can really say it is I just didn't enjoy watching, you know, that sort of thing. And it's nothing. I'm not saying the movie isn't good. I'm clearly saying there's so much good here that this is certainly, you know, a lot of great stuff going on. But for me, that section of the movie really just turned me off. And it's just, you know, and I tried to describe it best I could. I don't think it's a flaw in me. I just think it's maybe not my kind of movie. And that's perfectly legitimate. I mean, there are people who just don't care for this kind of horror movie or this kind of movie at all. There are people who don't care for even the Friday the 13th movies at all. They find no enjoyment out of it on any level, regardless. So it, it could be something as simple as that. It just could not, it just, this couldn't, maybe just is not my thing, you know, and that's perfectly all right. What do you want it? Okay. Do you need some in, affirmation there? What, what do you. <laughs> my point about that I wasn't, maybe I wasn't ready for this based on my background in horror. Is that legitimate to you being a horror fan like you are? Or is that just a load of shit to you think? I think it's a load of shit. Interesting. I think maybe horror is not the genre for you. If <laughs> That's this entirely possible. Could unnerve you because it really wasn't all that gory or anything. And if it's the, well, the bad guy got away with it, shit happens. And I know that's the simplest way to put it. Movies don't always turn out like you want them to. Honestly, my, my thought was just suck it up. I mean, it's a movie. It, they're not, I mean, I've watched plenty of movies where the ending I felt completely ripped off and I'm like, I ain't watching that shit again. Sure. I have too. But I, I really think that maybe you need to stick to Friday the 13th and Freddy movies if this kind of movie isn't because they're very vanilla even calling them horror anymore is really stretching it yeah 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 they're, they're really called slasher more than horror anymore because right. it's not horrifying it's not right. scary it's yeah, these days those are pg-13 i watched the remake of prom night last week i don't mm -hmm. recommend you do well, the you same. know better than to watch a pg-13 <laughs> quote-unquote horror, horror yeah movie. but Absolutely. i think all of those friday the 13th movies we've watched would be pg-13 if they came out today and just reduce Absolutely. the number of times they said the word fuck yeah i don't mind gore so much what do you want out of a horror movie? you know what again i'm i'm learning all of this stuff i'm just coming into this whole point the point of me being on these podcasts is that i'm the guy who's never done this before and so i i don't know what i want yet marjorie i don't know what my quintessential kind of horror movie is I do know I like the suspense and I like the, the cleverness of when Michael Myers comes out of the darkness into the light and his, the, the mask comes on his face. I like that kind of cleverness to it. I love the acting in this movie. I mean, I loved how real they made it seem. Perhaps they did too good a job in that sense, maybe. I mean, I don't really know the answer yet. All I know is my reaction to it was one of not enjoying it. <laughs> it was Because I, I, when I watched the first Saw movie, I had a similar reaction, although I was glad I got a chance to watch that one uh, because I want to know what the big deal was about. This one, I had no expectations expectations at all. I kind of knew what I was going to go into with Saw, but I had no expectations here. And then the, watching the first half of the movie and then it made that big difference and as it went on and on and on, it changed completely. I guess I wasn't ready for it. And I guess maybe I should have been, but I wasn't. I guess I should have seen the writing on the wall because these horrible people and the things flashing going on, but I didn't. I didn't. And so when it hit, I just, I just couldn't believe what I was watching. And I'm not, I'm not saying that this sort of thing shouldn't be made. This is an atrocity for filmmaking. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is it's not my thing, I guess. And uh, maybe in 10 years or so after I've seen, or maybe five years after we've gone through all the horror movies there are out there, maybe I'll come back to this one and say, okay, this, uh, this one did it right. But I don't know that yet. 
And, you know, I think there are people out there who just maybe this kind of horror movie isn't for them. And maybe Marjorie nailed it. Maybe I am not the right guy to watch horror, horror movie, or maybe modern horror movies, but maybe slasher films, I certainly can. I don't you know? think modern has anything to do with I, it because I, I think this modern, is a 70s movie it made is. In, the, in the new millennium. If you go back to the original Last House on the Left, yeah. that was supposed to be one of the scariest movies of all time and the most gory and unsettling and not released in certain areas. But a lot of the gore, they didn't even show on screen. This is the difference is this one's showing it on screen but it's 70s in the bleakness it's 70s oh, yeah. in the ratcheting up i mean it's also very much i spit on your grave although in that case it's still a bit more of a revenge story but it's so texas chainsaw massacre ripoff i mean this movie is a texas chainsaw massacre ripoff they it's just, just did it better it, it, it's doing it with the modern sensibilities mm-hmm. but it's a play-by-play does it bother you in other movie genres when the bad person gets away with the crime? No, it's fine. Absolutely great. I love it when I love heist movies when the con man gets away with it. It's, it's fantastic. It's fun. It's satisfying. In that case, don't you find them heroic though? The- no, they're bad people. They get away with they get away with murder. They get away well, not literally, but they do get away with it. I think these kind of you know I don't know. I just to me it's a maybe it's a cliche. I, I only brought that point up as for me kind of trying to explain what I'm what I'm trying to do here. I'm having trouble. Pinpointing exactly what I'm trying to say. Well, I, I think, honestly, you're going to have a lot of trouble with The Devil's Rejects. Actually, I had a great time with The Devil's Rejects. I thought it was a really a lot of fun. I thought it was a fantastically well done movie. I had a great time with that one. Did the well, killing... yeah, everybody died. Oh, everybody that's right. got theirs. That's what he wants. <laughs> not, not only that, but, I mean, we're going to talk about that next time. So why don't we talk about The Devil's Rejects next time and finish up with The House of a Thousand Corpses this time. I guess I never expect a movie to have a happy ending. And I, expect, I don't expect it of a horror movie. And I like the horror movie movies that make me slightly uncomfortable because yes. nothing and things don't scare me like they used to and that's always good when something can really just like catch me off guard and make me go oh shit because that's fun yeah as long as it's not two girls in a cup i'm perfectly fine having a visceral reaction to anything and sometimes i want to be challenged and i want to be pushed I want something to push my buttons because so much, I'm jaded, despite the fact that we're watching all these pulp series of movies that come out of the Hollywood machine, I'm jaded. 99% of movies that come out are crap that I see. I want something that can get a rise out of me. I want something that makes me feel different when the movie's over than I felt when it started. What you just said really hits it. This one did get a reaction out of me. Now, whether or not it's a reaction you two want me to have from it, it certainly stuck with me. I will never forget this movie. And, and it's certainly something that it really did get me. You know what I mean? Like, so it maybe perhaps the way it made me feel was so uncomfortable because of whatever reason it is. But I think he had it. He had it going. And then he went that extra couple of steps that I personally thought he didn't need to take for the story to be exactly told the way I think he could. I mean, honestly, he told it perfectly. Everything, he laid things things out and it, it, it was brilliantly structured i just think the way he you know that those that end that second middle of the second act towards the third act there was just too much and for me for you guys it was more than enough or or exactly what you needed for your reaction but for me i got that reaction and then he kept on going and going and going and for me i didn't need that and then it felt uncomfortable and then it felt not entertaining and that's all i'm saying it just, what are you marking as the end of the second act 
after the scalping, I guess, and the second half of the movie, I guess you could say, once the shit hits the fan, basically, it keeps going, 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 going. And then I thought somewhere it could, I, I can't tell you exactly. I would have to watch it again that I can tell you I had enough. But I don't know what that is. I did love the chase with the guy in the catacombs chasing the girl when he when it, when it ended when he got the uh whatever the, the the piece of wood hit him on the head and yeah, you know, Earl. That kind of Earl I loved that scene I thought that was great and that creepy catacomb with all the skeletons that was really really great that was just visually good and it really hit the point home that you know <laughs> she gets on walking deeper in the hell and then that you walk into the doctor's office there and that was like oh my god grotesque central but at that point it had already gone too far but I guess I came in maybe came around the other end I guess I don't know I, I could find the enjoyment in the ending there but somewhere in between there I had enough and I can't tell you exactly where it was if the girl had escaped at the end would you have felt better I, I don't know at this point because what you're saying makes a very good point I think maybe a little bit it'd be nice that someone gets away from this and you know these horrible things happen on a daily basis to real people I guess and and they don't get away you know they don't and that's a shame but maybe maybe I would have I just I'm used to, I'm used to that in my mind based on what I've watched I'm used to at least somebody getting away. There's always that shimmer of hope at the end of these movies, how corny, cheesy, you know, Disneyana that may be to you guys. There's always that one person. But haven't you ever seen a movie where at the end everybody dies? A, a destruction of the earth type movie. Uh, something bleak, you know, Soylent Green for crying out loud. You know, something where at the end it's bad. AI, even though that's a horrible movie. I mean, these yeah. types of endings at the godfather these are all about bad people the godfather is all about these mobsters and things like that and at the end we love the ending of that when michael corleone takes over the family he's still alive <laughs> so there but you go you are you are so on the wrong track because you're talking about anti-heroes ah. you're talking about people that yes. you can get behind because they're charismatic and you like them even though they're bad guys you know tony right. soprano is an anti-hero these right. the fireflies there's no hero there not at all they are righteous villains but yeah i mean you can root for an anti-hero anyone can Every yeah it's fun yeah it's lots of fun i think you nailed it i mean look at oceans 11 but don't look at oceans 12 or 13 but <laughs> yes <laughs> i think you nailed it arnie the anti-hero versus the villain i think you absolutely nailed it and um that's very good i'm i'm now pondering what you just said i think you nailed it i'm talking about a movie where everyone dies a plague comes nuclear war comes something i saw the descent that's the one with the girls in the cave yeah, yeah that's an awesome you've seen movie. descent oh i loved it it was fantastic okay what no about one survived descent? there everyone died yeah and i thought about that and but it, it had a supernatural element to it with those cave people so but dr that, satan was kind of a cave person of supernatural origin <laughs> yeah, that's not the same thing though the set was one of the scariest movies i've ever seen and it was so satisfying to watch and it was really it really was well done and i had a great time with that so there's a good example of and you didn't mind that everyone died no, it was a very satisfying ending. So this one did not have the same satisfying satisfaction to me. I understand your point. You're trying to nail me against the wall with this one. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I do know this, that I heard your point. I get your point, and I think I've come to the conclusion, as I said earlier, that it just could very well be that I'm not ready for this yet, or I very well may never be ready for this. This may not be the kind of horror movie that I enjoy. It may be the part that I enjoyed so much of this movie that when it went that extra
extra few steps that just didn't sit well with me, that's what is left. It didn't satisfy me at the end because that section that whatever section that was in the middle there that didn't sit well, it didn't really feel good or that visceral reaction I had to that turned me off. I'm not ignoring all the great things or the or how well it was made. I'm just saying the reaction I had to it, I can't ignore. And so my, I guess the final question then is, Brock, would you recommend House of a Thousand Corpses? <laughs> That's my line. Um, I honestly, I'm of two minds of this. There's so much good here that I certainly would warn somebody ahead of time about what's going to happen. I think be prepared for what's going to happen. And if you like horror movies, if you enjoy horror movies, absolutely I recommend this to you. But if you're someone like me who's kind of like, you know, not really into horror movies yet i guess i should say because i'm still i'm looking forward to watching all of these movies i would say no because you're not going to enjoy it and that's the bottom line so I, I know we hate doing conditional recommendations I, I don't know how else to do it i think horror fans will love this and absolutely rightfully so and filmmakers should love this there's a lot of good stuff here this i can't wait to see what this guy does with halloween i really am looking forward to seeing how he does halloween i really am so, yeah, I have to say yes and no, depending on the person, if that's fair. And I think we both know Marjorie and I give this our highest recommendations. Oh, yeah. And I love that. And I'm really, really, to me, it's really great that I'm talking about this with you, too, which is why I'm really glad we're doing this, is because we, I think, to give a good there, I know there are other people out there like me who actually probably go beyond me and how much they don't like what happened in this movie. I'm sure there are people who just think these kinds of movies are just horrible and terrible and yada yada. I'm not them. I just think he just went a little too far in places. You guys, on the other hand, eat it up, which is fantastic. This is why these, these movies are made for you guys, you know? And that's great that you get a chance to talk about it. I think it's really cool. And with that, I look forward to our next chat when we're going to be discussing the sequel, The Devil's Rejects. <laughs> um, okay, so if you enjoy this podcast, please go to www.nowplayingpodcast.com and download our other movies that we discuss, our Friday the 13th series, our Terminator series, and our Star Trek series, and coming soon, our Halloween series. And um, I thought this was a pretty good conversation. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Talk to you next time. Bye. It is now official. You have just wasted most of my fucking day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Now Playing's House of a Thousand Corpses Retrospective Series. Thanks, baby. I had a really good time. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can listen to our other installments, as well as our Friday the 13th and Star Trek Retrospective Series at our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Are you done trying to scare me? Now Playing is a Venganza Media production and is not affiliated with Lionsgate Entertainment or Maple Pictures. House of a Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects, and all characters and situations are the property of those companies and no infringement is intended. Don't we make you laugh? Aren't we fucking funny? I thought it worked better in Pulp Fiction, honestly, um, because it what really was. What happened in Pulp Fiction? I don't remember. He, he basically dances around the guy and mutilates him right there. And Reservoir then... Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. Uh, I'm sorry. That's why my... he already's I'm like, sorry. what? Let me back up. Um, and then that, and then you walk in the Dr. Uh, e uh, Dr. Evil. <laughs>